Anyway, good morning to you all. Happy birthday. I need a little volume down. Anyway, we're going to continue on our journey into Revelation. Uh, and for the effort of time and speed, I'm going to, uh, we're going to pick it up in chapter 2. A little recap going back. Hope you all had a good week uh, through the holidays. I mean, Thanksgiving was just absolutely marvelous for us. Now comes Christmas. <laughs> you know, we like Christmas, but I would always oh, start with a side note. We know Christmas is not December 25th. Straight up simple. And to burst everybody's bubble, especially some of us younger in the room, there is no Santa Claus. It just, there's not. And through the course of stuff, may expose that and just see how Satan's hand is working. But turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Revelation. We can continue to go through the, do the book. And again, the, the emphasis is mostly looking back at the Old Testament. But there's a lot of little verses and quips and just over four or five hundred quotations back to the Old Testament. A lot of what we're going to see here, there's still a lot of reference to the Old Testament, and yet it's applying for us. We're going to start applying to the churches, but one want to just a little spin to recap. If remember through chapter 1, we saw through our last lessons, you know, who the message was given to. This message is given for the now, for what thou hast seen, for what we will see, and for what's coming. We're, we're literally the past, the present, and the future are all in Revelation with from chapter 4 on is all future. And so we're going to, we'll begin to look at that as time prevails. But um, let's open in prayer. And then we're going to read through Revelation chapter 2, take a little quick lecture, and then see what the Spirit has to say to the churches. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, another day upon your earth, Lord. Thank you for your glory. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for this church. And Lord, we just have to say thank you in everything because you made it all. And, Father, without you, nothing would come to pass, Father. We, we ask that you would give us ears to hear, Father, that we could hear what the Spirit speaketh. Even now, Lord, we just ask for the other classes and teachers and, and for our pastor this day, Father, that you'd bless them, especially with wisdom, with discernment, Father, that you'd give them the word fitly spoken. And, Father, that you would just come upon them, Father, and give them great utterance, Lord, to, to correct and reprove us, Father, to do right. Even now, we thank you for this class, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Revelation chapter 2 is kind of where most people know Revelation by. It's either, you know, the beast and the false prophet or the, the, the rebuking of the churches. And as we study this analogy of the churches, there's many a way to look at it. I like to take just a literal straight up. God is talking to you. God is talking to me. They use, a lot of times we'll, we'll see the revelation. There are a couple of different patterns. One, they use it as, a, as a, like to outline it as a church age, as we take the church ages, where the first church Ephesus is the very beginning, right after the Lord, all that was going on, the end of the life of the apostles. Then the next church, and they, they, they categorize them to ages of time up until this present day with Laodicea being the last one. There, it does work as like anything else. I can understand their point of view. It does kind of fit and follow the analogy of time. But I find literally in the best way to always take scriptures, take the first interpretation first, the literal. What does it actually say? It says what it means. God in his infinite wisdom does not have to hide all the cookies from us. But what does God tell us? He wants us to seek. He wants us to search. And later we're going to see some of these words about when you leave the first love, some of the things that we don't do to strengthen ourselves in the faith or in which in turn leads to falling away. But God puts the truth right out there. The simplest interpretation, the simplest meaning is always the best. 
when it's time to be allegorized, we pretty much know it. Like holding seven stars in your hand. Okay, well, God could. His hand is, I mean, who knows how big he is? He can make it as big as he wants to. He probably could actually hold seven physical stars in his hand. I would, I, I'm not going to put that past him. But this we know is an, an analogy at, at the time. But anyway, we're going to start looking at the churches. And with the first church, basically, best church on the block. But are they? Let's read Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, boy does he, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not. And has found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. Nevertheless, O contraire, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent. Notice how they come together. And do the first works, or else. Wow, you ever get an R.L.S. from Jesus? I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise. And under the angel of the church of Smyrna, write, these things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works, and tribulation, and poverty. Last church didn't have tribulation, did it? That thou art rich. I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Come on in. He that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt, of the second death. Verse 12, Revelation 2, 12. And to the angel of the church of Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith. Even those days where Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there those that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So that thou also hast them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Verse 16. Repent ye, 
or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written down in heaven. And it's mine, yes, it's mine. Oh. That knoweth saving he that receiveth. Verse 18, And unto the church of the at Thyatiris write, These things saith the Son of God, who have eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience. Nice church. And thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Never was standing. You know what that word also means? Oh, contrary. To the contrary. Oh, contrary. I like to say, I have a few things against thee. Because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach, to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Worse than the other church, huh? And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her unto great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts. I will give unto every man of you according to your works. Verse 24, But unto you I say, and unto the rest of Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and that which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already. Hold fast, Till I come, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall thou be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith in the churches. Well, there was a reading. We're just going to see three churches, and as time goes on, we're going to whittle through this. But right now, we're going to church focus on the church of Ephesus. And, and as Ephesus, as you see in your outline there, there's a lot of, some biographical, but as I like to say, there's no city like no other city we have. We have Detroit. We have San Francisco. But you know what city we have today? We have Elmira. Well, Elmira's real small, a little thing on the side of the tracks. doesn't matter. It's people. And this church applies very well to it. But in this time of Ephesus, Ephesus, as you, um, if you ever looked at it, you know, show you a map. There's, there's Ephesus and part of the seven churches, but Ephesus is right on the coast. You see that in Paul. It was a major shipping. It was probably more like about what L.A. is as far as shipping. It was a major, major port. Later, went over to, to um, Smyrna. They, they both kind of fought for logistics, but... Uh, Ephesus was big. Ephesus was a commerce city. It had population, you know, between 200 to 500,000, half a million people. Much the same size as any of our cities. As I like to know, we, we try to picture back, like, they're almost living in a cave, caveman day, got a club, 
you know, wearing a leopard skin. Very intelligent. People were people back then. A city was a fantastic, very beautiful. Every description of it was extremely beautiful. One of the best things they had going, there's a view of Ephesus, kind of the ruins of it today, but gives you an idea in Paul's time. We see the sigla, but you'll see fragments of temples all over the place. These people worshipped everything, but their number one, their number one God, besides Zeus and Apollo, that was number one, but the one they really kind of the people liked was Diana. And we're going to go back and real fast take a look at Ephesus, how Paul's influences on Ephesus to get us to this time. But one thing they did was they just worshipped Diana. And as we're going to see that, remember we, the saying, great is Diana of the Ephesians? But the problem with gods nowadays is they like to, Satan just keeps changing the package. He keeps using the same old God, but he gives them a different name. Today we know this name as basically Ishtar. And if you guys ever heard that magic word, what do we call Easter? We call it Easter. The translation of the word Ishtar, every, know this, and I hope I put this in your head and I hope it burns your tongue. Every single time you ever say the word Easter rolls off your lip, know you are mentioning the name of a pagan god that such things Jesus said, I also hate. Every single time you mention Easter, you mention idolatry. It is Passover to the Christian. It is Passover, it was Passover, and it will always be Passover. It is never Easter. That is as Babylonian as you can get. Now, I understand, you know, it's ingrained in our society, right up there with Santa, same thing, but it, it never, Jesus, none of that happened on those days. These were pagan feasts, part of the Babylonianism that we'll, we'll see in time, if we have enough time, that was brought over. It was ported over. And when it came into, at this time of day, when the Roman Empire were running, they took all that Babylonian stuff, all of it, from Pontus Maximus, the Pope was the first Caesar. The first Caesar was Pope. It wasn't until after Constantine. Constantine made a little group of all the popes and all the leaders, and he was an emperor too. And then they said, well, let's kind of meld the church together, and we're going to see that as we go through the other churches. In fact, I think next week I got it. If you can't beat them, join them. Satan starts infiltrating. So he takes all the terminology and just puts Christian terminology on it, and rubber stamp it. And here we are today. Well, all, a lot of this came out of Ephesus and, and through the seven churches. But Ephesus was, a, again, a, was a prosperous city. It was a big city. Paul had been, spent some time there. And here's the stadium that we're going to take a peek at. If you remember when they were half the city was brought up here, this is where they were. Apostle Paul's up here. Really, they, they caught his two cohorts. And they were in here for two and a half hours arguing. But that was a ministry. See, they, they had everything we had today. We got Levi Stadium. Do we not? Do we not go to the stadium? They had temples. They had restaurants. They had golden streets. They, they, you could take city tours. I mean, they had people are people. But the one thing they didn't have was Jesus. And that was the thing that we saw. We start seeing here, they didn't have Jesus really until Paul pulls up. So let's go into some background. Take your Bible, if you will. And I'm just going to zing you through some of these acts. If you look at the verses uh, on the historical background in Acts chapter 18, we'll take a, just a fasty peek and see the, the, the influence that Paul had on this town. And it was great. And this church, when we start looking at the church of Ephesus and the rebukes that were taking place to it, it's almost amazing. When we start to think, you look back on Ephesus for a minute, we're going to see who found it, the apostle Paul. Okay, I'm having getting stuck on getting to action myself. But Paul 
founded the church and started it. Well, guess who came in after it? Anybody can remember who was their next pastor after Paul? Timothy. The Apostle John himself, at one point, was the pastor of this church. This church had some godly men. You had two apostles, Timothy a disciple, then it said Polycarp, evidently, someone earlier may have been a minister, uh, bishop here too. But back in Acts chapter 18, we're going to see kind of how, how it gets started here. In Acts 18, uh, verse 18. Acts 18, verse 18. And Paul, after this tarried there, oh God, Paul's on the move again. And when he took leave of the brethren and sailed thence unto Syria and with Priscilla and Aquila having shorn his head and Sersia, verse 19, and he came to Ephesus and he left them there. Okay, Paul made a stop, dropped off Aquila and Priscilla because he said he had to keep on going down to the feast. But see, he had contact with Ephesus. He, he pulled into port. And so he dropped them off. Then if you go follow over to Acts, um, verse 24, in Acts 18, 24, after he dropped off Aquila and Priscilla, and they were strengthening disciples, verse 24, and a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, that's Egypt, an elegant man, I mean, he could talk, and mighty in the scriptures, he knew his Bible, came to Ephesus. But you know, people know their Bible, but sometimes they just don't know their Bible, if you encounter people. And we'll see in verse 25, this man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. What have you been teaching lately? Do you teach anybody diligent? Knowing only the baptism of John. You say, I don't know my Bible, I don't, I don't know, but it doesn't matter what you know. See, God will give you grace with what you have. Remember when he said, uh, um, both, what, what's, it, what, what's in your hand? See, God will take whatever you have and use it, but will you use it for others? And so this man, he didn't know his Bible. He didn't have the full knowledge. But with what he knew, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. If that's all you know, can you go take that, tell people about Jesus' love? So anyway, so Apollos didn't have that full instruction but in verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and Aquila and Priscilla came and heard him, expounded more greatly. So you know what? God will give you knowledge as you use it. As you go to give your knowledge out, God will give you some more. And then God will bring people and questions to your Bible. And I found this in my life. When I was a young Christian, some of the stuff I'd read, questions that were in my head that didn't get answered for decades. But God answered them later. It's only as I started digging more and digging more. Then all of a sudden, I forgot about questions, and I'll be reading something. All of a sudden, oh, oh, praise the Lord. See, God will send that knowledge to you. So this is with the start of Ephesus. But now, let's pick it up in, in, in Acts 19. Keep going. In Acts 19, verse 1. And it came to pass that while Paulus was at Corinth, see, now he left. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. Now, see, Paul will remove, God removes one person, brings back another. But here's what happened. See, Apollo had fruit, and Apollo still, by doing what he did, watch, we'll see. And he said unto them, verse 2, Have ye received the Holy Ghost? Remember, he, Paul found some disciples, he's telling. He's found certain disciples. And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. You know, people today still don't need know that they need to be born again. You know when the Bible says, Marvel not on that ye must be born again. Do people even know this? 
There's so many people. There's people in this church still don't know this. So sometimes they don't have full knowledge. Sometimes it just takes Spirit of God. Maybe He's going to use you. But in verse 3, And when He said unto them, Under what we baptized, and see, He says unto John baptism, See, these were men from Apollos. Apollos still didn't have his knowledge. He didn't know the Bible. You say, I don't know the Bible. I can't. I can't. Well, once you come out with you can't, well, guess what? You're right. You can't. Because now God can't either. Why? Because you wouldn't get up and open your mouth and speak. Speak the things you know. That's the Bible says. We speak the things we know. You can't tell nobody what you don't know. Speak what you know and love. So anyway, we, we find there's 12 disciples here that, from Apollos. And now Paul's back in Ephesus. And he's make, making them right. And then they get baptized. Paul laid his hands on them in verse, nine, in verse 7. Tells us there's about 12 of them. But now in verse 8, Acts 19, 8. And he went into the synagogue, who's this, Paul, and spoke boldly for the space of three months. Now Paul's starting some time here. So three months disputing and persuading the things. So this is the start of the church in Ephesus. And what's he doing? Persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. And you remember, anybody know how to interpret the kingdom of God? People ask, lo, where's the kingdom of God? Jesus says, it doesn't come with sight. You're not going to see it. For lo, the kingdom of God is within you, the Holy Spirit. Um, verse 9. But you know what? When things are going good, well, guess what? But when, divers, but when divers were hardened and believed not. See, they don't believe. They get hard. They don't want to hear it. But spake evil of that way. Well, that's what comes, what comes next. Evil before the multitude. He departed from them and separated disciples. You know, when people come bad mouth and yaddy, 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 yaddy. Even Jesus didn't answer them. He didn't, you don't give them the time of day. Paul tells us avoid foolish learning and, and learned questions that end, endless genealogies and strife over a word. When I perceive not the lips of knowledge, depart. Our job isn't to just keep on talking with them day after day. You've got a Jehovah Witness and you can't leave them. We always leave them. Just leave them in their sin. Remember, what, what were you doing when we were soul winning? What do you do? You, 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 you shake the dust off of them. If they won't receive your word, shake the dust off, but you keep moving. See, don't stay. Move on. And that's what Paul did. See, once he realized that, but verse 10, and this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which were in Asia heard the word of the Lord. Wow. Anybody hear the word of the Lord from you? From me? See, now he said he listened special. So this is how the church has started. A couple of visits to Paul. Now Paul is putting in time. Now, guess what? No, see, this is the school. Now, they went from the church, the founding. Now they got a Bible college. And they got Paul teaching. Now, this Bible college, everyone in Asia is hearing it. This is out of the church of Ephesus. So this is how the church started. It's a mighty church. It's a powerful church. I mean, started with Paul, followed up by Timothy, because Paul later on sends Timothy there. But let's keep going on. Let's see. Paul's preaching for two years in Acts uh, 19.8. Yeah. But they're hardened. He leaves special signs. Uh, verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Boy, charismatics like this one. I, I don't know if you ever got this, but I... I, I <laughs> Verse 12, so that from his body were brought to the sick handkerchiefs. 
You know, I had someone mail me an a handkerchief once, and it was supposed to be mighty miracle, and I'm supposed to, you know, send that back along with my money. But I sent them back the um, I sent them back the the um, little cloth they sent me because it's phony, it's fake. See, God used special signs from special people, and there's at times God will do special things. He'll open up things. I'm not saying He's going to make a miracle, make you heal the dead, but when you witness to people. God will do something that they'll know it's a sign from him. Now we have people like to imitate it. See how the, we're going to see where the church starts getting infiltrated. Look at verse 13. And certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over, which had evil spirits, call over them that had evil spirit, the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, we got churches right down the road that are doing this very same thing. In the name of Jesus, I command you. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus. And they don't know him at all. Remember, God's make the same. What did you do? Take, take my word in my lips. But see, now we see the church is getting infiltrated and copied. And as the, these Jews are trying to take on the power, but they don't have the power. They don't have it because they, they don't have Jesus. So they have no power. They just work, 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 work. But we see that this is the birth of the church of Ephesus. And do you remember when Paul, Paul's last stop in Ephesus? I'll just highlight, but in Ephesus 20, when he's taking the ship down and he stopped, poured in, and he called the elders to come see him. And he said, the last statement that Paul gave to the church of Ephesus was, false brethren, false doctrine is going to creep into the church. False apostles. And, and he said he knew this, that in the times it's going to come. This church is going to be indoctrinated with false doctrine. Then we see when Paul ended, he, he ended in the amphitheater. But in meanwhile, the, the church of Ephesus is, is still there in a way, but now it's ruins. It's, it's nowhere near the church what it would be. And that's what could happen to us. So we start our outline. We've got basically four things we're going to fly through. When one is just the, the center of the control of Jesus. Verse 1, it, Jesus. It is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, and nothing but Jesus. Back to Revelation. Revelation verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden stands. And I find that beautiful because if you just back up real fast, remember was the first thing, how we stopped back in Revelation 1, what did Jesus say? Remember the first things in John in John chapter or Revelation one four. Under the churches, seven churches which are in Asia, grace and peace from him which is, which was, and is to come, and from the seven spirits. And then when we get the definition in verse twelve, and I turned to see the voice and spake unto me, and being turned I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like a son of man with garment. So we had this beautiful description, this description of Jesus and all his glory. I oh, I just love to get. There's so much, so many verses in the Old Testament when they look back. When Isaiah saw him, when Manoah saw him, when Ezekiel saw him, when Daniel saw him, the glory. They're trying to describe this magnificence that you can't describe. How do you describe love? How do you describe light? How do you describe joy? How do you describe Jesus? And that's what he's doing here. So in verse 16, and he had in his right hand seven stars. 
and out of his mouth go a two-edged sword, as the sun shineth. And then when he ends the chapter, Jesus tells us in verse 20, the mystery, this is 120, the mystery, you know, mystery is something you just don't know. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. They're tied together. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Now, when he starts out in verse 1, back on 2-1, undo the angel. Now, I'll just preface right here. The word angel, angelos, means messenger. And probably every time, pertinent you read in the Bible, it means just that. It's an angel. We're thinking angel, you know, super powerful being. But the word actually just means messenger. Someone who sends a message. I can be an angel. <laughs> Wouldn't know it by looking at me, would you? It's not me. It's the message. It's what you say. That's what an angel is. It's a messenger. <coughs> Excuse me. And I've heard many commentaries. And, and again, I like to take it simple. Who's, who's in these churches? And I'll show you why. Everyone tries to say these are actual angels of the church and the angels, you know, are they not sent forth ministering spirits to those and that we all have our angels watching over us. And yeah, I kind of believe that too. Yet not in this context. In this context, see, it says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Okay, to the messenger of the church of Ephesus. Well, we watch down, we'll start seeing when God, when he wants to pull the candlestick away, look at verse 5. Remember from whence thou art fallen, repent, do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly. And what's he going to do? What's God going to do if we don't do these things? He's going to remove thy candlestick out of, see the word there? It's not its place, it's his personal, his place, a singular, a male. Now, is God going to take any candlestick out of an angel's hand? Even the logic of that doesn't make sense. Oh, you got an angel in front of the church. Hey, angel, get on out of there. No, if you follow the pattern, this is the pastors. These are the leaders of the church. And at this time, it's probably more than likely Polycarp running it. But there's, I've read so many different things. Point is, this was a good church. This was a Baptist church with a capital B, as in Baptist. And I'm saying that facetiously, of course. But under the angel of the church of, of Ephesus, right. Now, remember, these things were for all the churches. This isn't just for the church of Ephesus. As we go through these churches, everything applies to us. And I, the other way I'd like to take this one, they'd have spirituals of, t- of time each church is representing. And we'll see that because like the middle church, all that gives is persecution. Well, what was the Middle Ages? I mean, ages. That's all, they were killing Christians everywhere. If you ever read Fox's books of Martyr, tough book. I really couldn't finish it. I just meant chapter after chapter of horrid, horrible deaths. But there was, I just remember this one statement. When they're burning so many people, there were no more wood. They couldn't burn them anymore. They couldn't find the wood to burn anymore. So then they came up with these other inventions. They're hanging them off bridges and all these other ways to kill you. Don't be forsaken. That was 100% the Catholic Church, and I'm saying it for all the world to see. You want the doctrine of Nickelodeons? Catholic Church. Rulers that got to rule by any cost or means. What did they do to Jesus? Remember the high priest's prophetic statement? It is expedient for one to die. We need to get rid of him or we're going to lose all our stuff. And that's what it's always about, power and control. 
But in this case, Jesus is in control. So let's start going through this. We see number one, he's centrality. He's the middle. He's everything. Without Jesus in this church, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Let's slide it on. Dr. Bone, that is Diana. Anybody want to bow down and worship that? All her breasts and everything, the mother of life, and, and the stuff that went on with that. And that just, that goes back to Astroth. It just keeps going back and renamed all the way back, and we'll, we'll see if we get to Balaam and what they were doing in, in the wilderness. But Jesus Christ, he is Lord. I mean, Jesus is the one who's walking. And I like this because later we'll see in Sardis, He's got the seven candlesticks. He got the hand, but he ain't walking in their church. He's not there. As we keep going, we finally we get to Laodicea. Jesus isn't even in the church. He's outside of it. But we're going to see this progression. Right now, he is in this church. And sometimes you see the growth of a church. Some of us got some years under our chassis and been to more than one church in our life. And I've been to a few churches that just imploded through sin, whatever reason. God removed the candlestick. He pulled that pastor out. Sometimes through death. Sometimes he judged the pastor from their own sin. Sometimes he was a godly, godly man doing nothing wrong, but God removed him from the church. Why? Because the people were doing wrong. And so let's see that. Number one, he's essential. He walks in the mist. He's everything. We see that he walks in us. When was the first time we ever see God walking with us? Anybody remember? Remember back in Genesis? Huh? What was the Garden of Eden all about? God walking. They heard the what? The voice of God. Remember Genesis 3, 8? The voice of God walking. Well, here's God walking again amongst us. Again, he wants fellowship with us. He wants to be with us, but it's us that drive him away. Remember the Bible tells us it's your sin that separates you from God. What about your love? Does your love draw you to God? Does your love want you to be closer to God? That's what we're going to see here. So in verse 1, he's, we see he's walking. We see him saying, and you know something? I like that because Jesus is always walking. He's walking in the cool of the garden. He's always walking to seek us. But do you remember when Stephen got stoned in the book of Acts? Remember in Acts um, 7 when Peter gets stoned, he gives a whole time of drive. But right when he's about to die, Peter, Stephen stops and says, I see the Lord standing. You know, God stops he stops all universe. He stops time for you, for me, because that's how special we are. Sometimes we forget this. God stopped and looked. He's standing. Now, in the meantime, he's working. He's walking in the midst of the churches, a midst of the golden sand, a midst of the light. Why? Because he wants fellowship with us. When Hebrew says he inhabits our praises. Do you remember when Manoah, when Samson was born, the message that Jesus, when Jesus came, and they said his name is wonderful? The mighty God, Prince of Peace. No, they just call him wonderful, but I slid Isaiah in there for you. But he, when he came to offer them, the Bible says they offered fire and he ascended up in the smoke. See, they, Jesus accepted the worship. And they thought they were going to die. They had their doctrine wrong, but they accepted the worship. Jesus was pleased and then Samson was born. Jesus wants to be with us. He wants to walk with us. He wants us to be light. He wants us to be around him. See, he's the one that's doing it. In verse 1, he's walking and he's holding us up. But beyond verse 2, we'll see what he does in verse 2. 
That one? Well, our first love. Verse 2, who's your first love? I know thy works. I know thy works. Do you really believe that God knows? Do you? We, 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 we talk to talk, but do we actually walk? Do we believe that God really knows? That he is acceptable with what we do. He is well pleased to be with us. The I know thy works. And this word works is just that. It means work. It's just basically a task of working. But we're going to see the words get harder and harder and more. But see, your works. Anybody doing any work for Jesus? What have you done for him this week? What have you personally done for the Lord? Not this church, but you. Because remember, he's talking to the people. Because what is the church? Ecclesia, called out body. You, me, pastor. Jesus says, I know thy works and thy labor. Now, here's where it gets a little more. See, we start out working for God. What's, what's the first work? Remember that guy come running, Lord, what do I need to do to do the works of God? What do I do? Believe on him that sent me. Oh, that's all? <laughs> why did he leave? Believing sometimes hard. Because you know why? Believing takes faith. And you know what? We walk by sight. We forget what we hear in this book. We forget that we have to close our eyes and walk by faith. We forget that the Lord's controlling us. And we forget, and that's something we'll learn as we go. But verse 2, I know thy works, and thy labor. See, the labor now, labor is toil. This is getting hard. Is it hard to get up in the morning for Jesus? Does it get hard to come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday? Yeah, sometimes it does. I get lazy too. Sometimes I fail and quit, and my strength is weak. But you know what? You come back to the Lord. Lord, help. And we'll see he does that. But see, now we, we go from working. From laboring. See, I know that work that labor is difficult. It's getting hard. But it doesn't stop there. And thy patience. Now, patience, that's even harder than labor. Because patience is bearing up. It's like taking the full load. Ugh, ten tons. Now hold it. That's patience. Day in, day out, year in, year out, decade. Decade, decades, persevering. How are you holding up, saint? See, the three of them. I know thy labor, the works, thy labor, thy patience. And just keep getting harder and harder and harder till finally we're grinding it out. But you know what happens if you don't have the Spirit of God? You are grinding out. In fact, you, you're like that stone is grinding you to powder. Instead of being on the stone, the stone's on you. And that's why David's always would say, my rock, my fort. My shit. It's always about standing on the rock. And we talk about standing on the rock, but what if the rock's on you? Then the labor is not hard. The labor is difficult. And so as we see that he commends them. He commends them. I know thy work. Verse 1. I, number 2. I know thy saint. I know See, God knows. He knows our patience. Know what else he knows? Our devotion. How much we love him. Look at number three. Oh, we'll get back at two. Two, two. He commands them to show them to work for thou canst bear them. See, some of the things that they can, can do, thou cannot bear them. 
That also means to hold up, to lift them. And they say, what do they do? Which are evil. You know, we're to test. The Bible tells us to judge men. Well, you can't judge me. Who are you? Who are you to judge me? Oh no, no, I judge all the time. But judge ye righteous judgment. You know what they're saying? Don't judge the book by the cover, but you judge it by what they say. You know, Jesus said that when the wolves come to you, what are they saying? When people come in, what are they saying? That's why I listen to somebody, and I say, I don't think they're a Christian. Well, who are you to judge? Rise and fall his own servant. Well, let's see. Out of the heart does the mouth speak. Do I hear fruit, love, joy, peace? Do I have sin and righteousness and judgment? No. Or do I hear him talking all about things of the world, things about the TV, things about... See, nothing about God comes out their mouth. But we think just because they come to church, they're a Christian? What about you? See, do we try the spirits? Try them. Remember the Bereans, they were more noble. They searched the scripture. Can you take this Bible and stand it up to something pastor saying? Make sure he's got no false doctrine? Well, I'm not going to do that. Why not? I do. I've already told pastor. And just what I'm doing here, I've run it by a pastor to make sure I don't give you false doctrine. That I don't come up with some weird thing. It's easy to do in this book. There's a lot of stuff. You can twist, and I read people twisting and hyping stuff that's just not there. But see, he knows. He knows that we will try them. See, in verse 2, he says, Them that are evil and has tried them that say they are apostles. You know the people to this day trying to say they're apostles? You know, people today. Now, I commend, Pastor, because since I've been at this church, everybody that's ever stood in this pulpit, clearly pastors filtering them out. Because I'm sure there's probably a lot of wolves in trying to get in here. But every man I've ever seen pastor bring up is doctrinally good. They're biblical. They have the works that back up what they say. And that's pastor guarding us. That's the Lord guarding us. And that's what we need. Because, see, we need to try. Don't believe them. I've gone, I've gone down to the church. I've seen a couple of these churches here. And I've heard some of them pastors preach. And I stand in doubt of them. Because I don't hear the love of Jesus. Remember, when the Spirit comes, He will reprove of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. Every time anybody talks about the Bible, those three things are going to be somewhere in it. One point or the other. Again, I can't say every. Sometimes the topic might be family or something. But God knows. And so He knows that we're trying to. We, he knows we don't like it. I don't like the NIV. I'm sorry, I just don't. I'll say it right now for everybody. NB, AB, AB, every three-letter Bible that they have out there, except the one that says K, J, and V. And sure, I'm not as loyal to this book, and I'm, you know, I kiss it. No, but I seen the falseness. Why? I tried. I took the scriptures, and I seen things that are different are not the same. You cannot have this word here and this word here. Well, they're different. Okay, then they're different. They're not the same. And when you follow the Word of God and follow it down, God always had that small remnant, not the big one in the world. That's why the million NIVs to now, you know, maybe 100 King James. God always kept His remnant. He kept a remnant of population. But you either believed that God preserved His Word and kept it, or He didn't. Now, I believe He did because why? We're living proof of it as we see it every day. Why? Test it. Try it. Prove it. See, and said they are apostles and are not. And not only did you just find out well, they're not an apostle, take it one step further. Put the nail in there. Boom! Liar. Well, what's the word liar? Liar, devil. He's the father of all lies. What do you think these people are? We can find so much. In fact, let's just take a side trip here. 
Turn back a couple pages. Second Peter. See if I can find it. Yeah, second, second Peter chapter two. Just a opening salvo here. Second Peter chapter two, verse one. But there were prophets, but there were false prophets also. That kind of means the same, huh? They had them, you have them. There were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be. Uh-oh. That's a promise, is it not? God says shall be. That means it's going to happen. Can anybody explain to me what's the number one sign for Jesus' return? What's the first thing he said every time? There shall be false prophets and false teachers amongst you. Numero uno on the list. And we keep seeing more of them and more of them. And you only got to drive down a few churches in this town. You could fulfill this verse. And there were false prophets, 2 Peter 2, among the people, even as there shall be false, hold it. They went from prophets, blaming the Lord. Now they're teachers. What are they trying to teach you? Scratch your ears, anything but follow Jesus. Among you, who privately, see, they under the table, they slide this in there. Subtle words shall bring in damnable heresies. That's their doctrine. Jesus wasn't born of a virgin. Oh, it don't have to be. God loves everybody. All can come to heaven. Really? <laughs> not, my, not according to my Bible. But see, this is what they do. They sneak in. We always see sneak, subtle, slide. They come in the name of the Lord. Back to Revelation 2. But do you test them? Do you turn on the TV and listen to a preacher and, mm, oh, yeah, well, and all of a sudden, something don't sound right, but you don't even bother to challenge it. You just keep listening. Can't do that. See, that's what these people, they knew their doctrine. They knew their Bible. These church, this church of Elmira, Ephesus, knew their Bible. They knew it. They could spot false teachers. Why? Because they heard enough of the real. But what happened? What went wrong? Look at verse 3. See, command them for their devotions. And thou hast borne. Again, that's labor. Remember, they were working. Look at verse 2. You got works, labor, and patience. Now the, thou hast borne, bearing, lifting, hard. And has patience, verse 3. And why do you do all this? Why are we even here? Why? Why do you put up for 50 years of walking with the Lord, serving, laboring vain? The Bible says our labor is not in vain. Here's why. For my name's sake. You know, we, we throw that out so easy in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. How we finish all our prayers. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. We say that so often. There's power in that name. There's more power than we can comprehend, more than my little finite mind. Because when this says, at the name of Jesus, what's going to happen at the name of Jesus? All kinds of things. But one, every knee is going to bow. Everyone's going to confess them. We know these. But it's the name. It's the name is representative. We bear about his name. As Paul said, I bear about the marks of my body of the Lord Jesus. Why? So that I can be more like him. The Bible keeps telling us, be more like him. We want to be like him. How do we do that? When we carry the name of Jesus, what are we? Children of his. We're, quote, Christians. And if you remember, Christians was a bad term. 
but this means little ones, little ones in Christ. But see, we have to born, we have to labor. But look at verse four. Sometimes, see, we do all these good things, and boy, well, boy, what did I do for the Lord today? Woo, doggy. And we pat ourselves on the back for the works that we have done. Sometimes you can. Nothing wrong. You you take pride in you. You build something. You look at it. mm, But when you stand there like Nebuchadnezzar and say you did it well and forget to give God the glory, it's that fine line of wisdom. But here's what happens. Nevertheless, verse 4, Nevertheless, I have something against you. Man, that is some tough words. That's what I mean. To the contrary. The exact opposite, you know. Oh, we're doing so good, man. We're we're Baptists. We, we we don't we got this covered, Lord. But you know what? We happens. You know what happens sometimes? You come to church so much, you forget what you're coming to church for. You sometimes forget why you're reading your Bible. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. You eat your food. You ain't missed a meal yet in fifty years. How many times you missed your Bible? Five times this week alone. How many meals did you eat? How much did you read? Hmm. Now, I don't mean read meal for meal. But if you ain't reading the Bible, how are you growing? The Bible says as a newborn babe, desire. See, we have to do that. If the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you just want to read 999 chapters and read your Bible in a day. No, he's not. But that still small voice will whisper in your ear. See... Verse 4, nevertheless, nevertheless, you're doing all this wonderful, oh, everything's so good. Nevertheless, I have something against you because thou, oh, what did you do? What did I do? What did I do? Because thou has left thy first love. And this word first is a nice word. Know what it means? <laughs> First, numero uno, the number one, the number one, not two. But what do we do with Jesus? Do we give him the time of day? Do we even stop, get up in the morning and say, thank you, Lord, even one time? Or do we just go about our day, we get to church, and we get to church, and we do all our Jesus, but we never stop to talk to him. We never thank him. We never say, I love you, Lord. It's hard to say you love somebody if you don't, isn't it? Very hard. See, nevertheless, verse 4, have something because thou hast left. Who did the leaving? Whose feet were walking? Remember the term backsliding? I've always heard this. When you're backsliding, you're going backwards? Well, not really. Because backsliding meant you're standing still. God's the one moving. We, he just gets further away from us. We don't keep walking in our daily fellowship. See, Jesus is walking amongst the churches. By the time he gets to start, is he standing? See, it's we step by step by step, we fall back. We fall out of love. How do you love your spouse? You ever been with your spouse? There have been times I couldn't say I love my wife as I ought to, as Christ loved the church. Why? That's me. See, then, you know, I get back together and I remember, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That sound like a request to you? It wasn't. It's not. And it never would be. 
that's telling me as a man, that's something I have to actually stop, think, and do. How you do that? I don't know, sometimes a hug. Whatever, just sometimes just I'm sorry. Sometimes, boy, I don't know how you put up with me. But see, we have to go back and love the Lord. We have to. And that's what he's telling us. He's going to tell us, look at verse 5. Remember. Remember. That's our problem. We don't. We forget yesterday. We forget that God said, and we just brush off his word as like, you know, I don't even know. Go back to 2 Peter. We're going to see where Peter starts 2 Peter 1, 12. There we go. First, first Peter. Second Peter. It's even worse when you do it. First Timothy and Second Timothy. Verses are completely different. First Peter one twelve. There I go again. How many? Second Peter, one twelve. Wherefore, this is Peter talking? I will not be negligent. To put you always in remembrance of these things. Of what things? Everything. But to specifically what? Put you in remembrance of these things, though ye know them. Oh, wow, you already know them. And be established in the present truth. Yeah, I know this is where we are here today, but what did you forget? Let's go on. Verse 13. Yeah, I think it means as long as I'm here. In this tabernacle, I'm in this body. I'm going to stir you up, putting you in remembrance. You know what? I'm going to oh, just remind you and remind you and remind you. Remind you of what? Knowing that he's going to fall off. Verse 15. Moreover, I will endeavor that after that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Do you think Peter's trying to tell us something? <laughs> remember, 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 and here's why you need to remember. But he gives you on verse 16. We have not followed cunning devised fables. See, they search the scriptures. They know. How are you going to know it's not a funny fable if you don't know your Bible? How many of these quacks come over here until you get slain in the Holy Spirit? Oh, what? Not in my Bible. One thing you're supposed to do is die daily. That's what, let me try that one. But he tells us to, rem to remember, back to Revelation, verse 5, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Who fell down? Wow, you know something? And my time's up, and I still don't make it through this. Righteous men fall seven times. Huh? Who fell? Did you get back up? Did you repent and go back and do the first love? Did you repent and go back and actually open your Bible and start reading it? Did you repent and actually go back and see why you're not loving the Lord? Why this word's so hard? Why coming to church is just a habit and not a commitment, not an expression of gratitude of love for Jesus? See, he tells us, if we don't come back, if we don't come back, remember from whence we are fallen, and repent and do the first works. The first works is fall back in love with Jesus. What is the commandment? Hear, O Israel. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. And the second is like unto it. Love thy neighbor as thyself. We see one reason we don't fall in love with the Lord. We're out of love. We forget to love people. And this is an unlovely bunch. Anybody want to love on me? I'm not a nice guy. 
I really am. I got a bad heart. I don't know how my wife loves me. And I sure don't know how the Lord loves me. But I know he does. And for that, I walk in his strength. And I walk in his power. And I walk in his forgiveness. That's the only reason I can stand here and read this book and proclaim it to you. See, we have to turn around. We have to go back. This is written to the church of Elmira today. We've been 50, 60 years with the Lord. He does, there's no age restriction here. You fell out of love. You're not doing the things. What do you need to do? Go back and do the first things. You know, when I first got, when I first got saved, read, read, read. I, got, I still I was thinking about my, my, my pastor Anton. I was tied up in charismatics, and we'll close with this. And I got hooked up to him. He was a pastor who baptized me. Very soon, he didn't even have anybody. He had two people in his church. There was nobody there. But he baptized me. But he took me aside and, and groomed me and put the Word of God in me and showed me where the Bible's right. And I've never looked back. And I've been reading this book for decades, and I can't read enough of it, and I wish I read more. I wish I read more. Because I don't want to fall. I've fallen. I've forgotten the Lord. I've spent decades and wake up in the morning. Don't even think about Jesus for a week. His name doesn't even come into your heart. I know I'm saved, but I'm not thinking about him. Now, what do you do in the morning? What's in your brain at night? Huh? David said, in the middle of the night watches, I will praise thee. Morning, evening, noon, I will praise thee. That's all the time. All the time. Do you got to remember where you've fallen? Does the Lord got to come to you and say, Hey, hold on a second. Love me, would you? Love me. And that's what he's wanting. And, of course, I'll never finish up, but let's close in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, Father, we thank you that you have so much mercy and patience with us and that you come and warn us once again, Lord, out of how many times that you tell us to come back to you, to return to you, and that you'll always accept us, Lord. Father, I pray for us in this room and for those that are watching that we would turn our hearts to you to love you, to whom to know is life eternal. Father, we just praise you for your mercy and your forgiveness. Remember, we are dust, Father, and we are so evil, but you are so good. And for this, we praise you. Give our pastor wisdom, Father. We pray for the service upcoming, Lord.